that's how we should just start this there we go. podcast. It's hey everyone. <laughs> We're all sad. Oh, dude. God. I almost cried on stream today. It's not been a good really? two days. Yeah, I don't yeah, know what's yeah. happening. I don't. Uh, my time of the month. Yeah, I think so. I'm also down in the dumps, I think. We need something to bring oh, us back. We're all depressed together. Yeah. <clears throat> depressed isn't fun, I don't think. No, yeah, it's, not. it's not. It's not great. New podcast idea, hunting therapy. <laughs> Help us each find therapies that take our insurance plans. I was going to say, is it is insurance? it just us sitting here listening to each other's problems? <laughs> yeah, essentially. You've listened to a lot of... Actually, I haven't said much about my problems because I don't know what the fuck they are. I'm just... <laughs> we have a podcast to do. Let's not get into it. <laughs> Why don't uh, we get into it? Tell me about your feelings, Dylan. Oh, that's not... This is free idea. therapy. This <laughs> Dylan's like, well, it all started when I was eight years old. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, if we're being real at this point, that's probably the year. Uh, Dylan, I, I just want you, you to know, that? I'm not laughing because it's funny. I'm laughing just because of the way you delivered it. I think I'm laughing because I'm uncomfortable. Also, that. <laughs> I'm just assuming that's not going into the episode, but well, you can do whatever you want at this point. <laughs> it's Josh. You act like he's going to remember and edit it out anyway. Oh, my God. I I do a lot more editing than you give me credit for, fuckhead. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I would notice if I actually listen to the show. Yeah, exactly. Well, oh, my God. Give it a download. <laughs> I do download them. I just don't listen to them. That's not that's not true i do how that works occasionally very it's sometimes i have to remember that i actually have a podcast app designated for that and then when i remember it i use it but when i don't i don't i do too it's called patreon where if you subscribe you get the episodes early bam Bam, he nailed i i remember recording it i don't have to listen to it early i'm cool Yeah, you're just late i'll wait I've got my own file I can listen to of just me whenever I want. Well, that's weird. That's is pretentious. It? it is pretentious. It's pretty pretentious. It's pretentiousistic. Is that a word? No, but it's pretentious and narcissistic combined. So I wanted to. <laughs> mm, I wish I was a narcissist. Sometimes I feel like I I would be a better person. I feel like I would have more confidence in myself than what, what I do. What the fuck does that mean? You know what? <laughs> nope. Mm-mm. Nope. Not doing this. Not doing this. <laughs> no, we're doing it. Just try having more confidence in yourself. Yeah, dude. Without maybe being a dick maybe about I would. It. Yeah, but see, there's no, there's no middle ground with me. It's either all or nothing in everything I do. There's no middle ground. Um, you are listening to Hunting Pixels, the one and only official video game podcast right. of culture pop. 
Joke's on you. You're going to get a lot of fucking echo out of that. Oh, yeah. That's what I'm talking about, baby. Uh, Well, today we have a great show for you. Maybe. Uh, We're going to be tackling some of the age-old questions regarding video games and their inclusion into the realm of art. Uh, We'll also be talking, as always. Why did you say it like that? What 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 way did I say it? Oh God, I can't even replicate it. It just hit me, dude. Oh my God, and my my initial reaction wasn't even captured through Discord. (laughs) Like it was so loud, I just cackled as loud as I could. (laughs) Oh God. Uh, yeah, we'll be talking about the media that we've consumed, the games we've played, and of course our regularly scheduled picks of the week. (laughs) God. I'm just killing it this time. You're doing great. Uh, I am, of course, your host, the one and only Bebop Man, Josh McMullen. And I am joined, as almost always, by my two co-hosts, Dylan, Mona Lisa Martin, and Austin, the thinker, Stevens. Oh, is he? Uh, (laughs) Sometimes. Well, uh, I don't know. Are you? do, Do you think Austin... It depends. It really just depends <laughs> on what it's about. Trauma? About my trauma? Yeah, all the time. That's pretty much it, though. Um, Not really anything else. Yeah. I mean, all right. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> all right, I'm leaving. I'm done. <laughs> I don't know. There was, there, was, there was comfort in that silence. There was comfort in that silence. Really? Uh, uh, look, how maybe, you boys I doing? Don't, know. I, don't ask me that. That's, well, why not? Let's do that's it. a bag I can't open right now. It's a, a bag of worms. Oh. Bag of worms, you're opening it up. I don't know what's going on. I'll be fine. <laughs> maybe by the end of this episode, I'll be happy. Uh, I somehow doubt it. Uh, yeah, I wasn't even happy to be doing this episode in the first place. I don't like this topic, not because it's a bad topic, but because I had to get even more in touch with my feelings. <laughs> really? You had to get in touch for, with your feelings for this? I had to because it's yeah, it's because of the game I chose and the fucking reason. It's God damn it, Austin. This hey, how was this Austin. my fault? This is your topic idea. This is your topic. You did Look, this. nobody told you to get that personal with it. That was on you. Aren't you doing... Mm, look, my, look. It, right. worry about you, all right? Listen, if what we're, we're going to sit here and we're really going to talk about our feelings, okay? If we're really going to do this. Oh, God. Let me talk about the Oscar nominations. Oh, God. I mean, that was... That was great, actually, but... I didn't know we were talking about that. Go ahead. Talk about your snubs. It, well, it's, it's on. It's on the. It's on the. What we're doing? Yeah, I disassociate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. All right. So the Oscar uh, nominations were announced yesterday morning, and uh, so I have some thoughts now. I, I do want to say real quick that I think that um, uh, not I think I know for a fact that I haven't seen everything 
uh, that is on this list. It's actually uh, a like, shock. Yeah, right. Um, like for the best picture, uh, I've actually only seen one, two, three, four, five. I've only seen five of the ten best picture nominees. Um, so yeah, and I don't know, but no. So I, I wanted to talk about this for, uh, two particular reasons. One, because I, I did want to talk about some of the absolute bullshit, uh, that, uh, the Academy came up with this year. Uh, cause you know, that's just what the fuck they want to do apparently. Um, but also I, I kind of wanted to talk about like sort of the Oscars in general and kind of like what they, what purpose they serve and like why not necessarily we should care about them, but like, uh, what they should do to make us care about them. Um, and I think one of the big things uh, to kind of get into that point uh, that I wanted to talk about is the fact of how they handled um, like literally everything about the nomination process. So the nomination started uh, or not the nomination process, but like the, the nomination announcement process. Anyway, uh, so nominations were basically how they work is people come in and then they rank their movies uh, in a fashion of like best pictures one through 10 and then um, the rest of the categories are one through five. And so you come in and you have a category assigned to you and the category is for your specific wing of the academy. So like if you're an editor, you vote for best editing and you rank your, your choices one through five. Right. And then from there, the nominees are born and then everyone votes on them in the, in the voting process. Well, once the nominations are done, they're, they're balloted, counted up and, and all that stuff. And then they have some celebrities, um, come out and like tell you what was nominated. Right. And usually how this works is they usually just have somebody come in on good morning, America or, or whatever the ABC show in the morning is. And they're like, Hey, and here's the Oscar nominations and you know, blah, 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 blah. Well, the Oscars I think are, almost entirely useless. And I know that's going to sound weird because I kind of get excited for them every year, but I think that no one except for the Academy and critics really give a shit about this stuff. Um, I think that the people, well, not even necessarily critics. I'll say the Academy and the people who are working in Hollywood, right? Like, I think that, I think that there's a strong chance that 
uh, Andrew Garfield gets even more work in high profile stuff now because he's been nominated for an Oscar twice. Right. I think that when you get like, I think it was 2007 when Javier Bardem was nominated for best supporting actor for no country for old men. And I think he actually won that year. Um, so no one like I had never heard of that man before in my life. He had done some other stuff, smaller roles and foreign film roles, right? But he had never done anything to that scale. And then the next thing you know, he's fucking everywhere. He's in like all of the big productions. And I think that the Academy kind of is there to, for lack of a better phrase, suck its own dick. And I think that that has been the case for quite a while. And I think that the Oscars should be a big deal. I think that when you get to like, when you, when you look at the movies that were being nominated and winning in like the early two thousands, dude, you have shit like gladiator or a beautiful mind or fucking, uh, the Lord of the Rings return of the King, which, you know, that movie aside, the Lord of the Rings trilogy is a fucking like, it's an achievement, right? Like that is a trilogy that is fucking enormous, uh, and has tons of impact across the industry, but also it's just really fucking good movie, right? Um, you have stuff like the departed. You have stuff like no country for old men. Like these are some, all time great movies. They may not be in like the top, I don't know, 20, 50, 100 movies ever made. Some of them are for sure. But like, anyway, the, the point I'm trying to get at is I don't think I've seen a movie except for maybe Parasite um, in the last 10, maybe 15 years win best picture where I immediately said that is an all time classic movie. Right. And I think that the Academy needs to put some respect back into what it is doing. It needs to garner, like it needs to be putting movies out there that are the, the one, the best picture, not this milk toast bullshit, like fucking green book that, makes them feel better because it's a movie about dealing with racism. Like fuck off, dude. You don't need to, you don't need to give yourself blowjobs. All right. You already fucking do that enough. Get a movie like fucking parasite. Get a movie like, um, no country for old men. Get a movie like, I mean, I don't fucking know the social network, right? Get get those types of movies. Give them best picture because they are the best pictures, right? Um, anyway, to, so to bring this back to the nomination process, I think that the Oscars should serve a purpose, and I think that they don't currently. And that's because people don't care. And the reason that people don't care is because they – they're not nominating good movies. They're just fucking not. They're nominating the shit that they like to see. Like you look at fucking La La Land. La La Land's La La Land sucks, dude. That movie's 
fucking bad. I'm sorry. It it is. It, it's <laughs> the it's one of the most overrated pieces of shit I've seen in a very 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 long time. Okay, don't look up from this year or well not this year but 2021 is a bad movie. It's not even it's not even a divisive movie where like in the same way that like Drive is like Drive is either you love it or you hate it. Almost overwhelmingly, everyone said Don't Look Up is a bad movie. It's nominated for fucking Best Picture. What are we doing here? What are we fucking doing here? Okay. Anyway, to get back to my point, right? In order to make people care, you have to do stuff that matters. And I think that this bullshit that they pulled with having like skits in the middle of your Oscar nominations announcement thing is fucking stupid. No one watches this shit. Why are you wasting people's time with little skits? What, like, what are you doing? They weren't even funny skits either. I think the nomination thing, do you know what it should have been? It should have been like they've been doing for years with people coming out and being like, Okay, this is what's nominated. Or even better yet, they could just put it up as like a blog post or something like that. No one gives a shit about the nominations because nothing that people give a shit about is getting nominated. Mm-hmm. That brings me to some just unbelievable bullshit for the nominees. All right. So the first thing I want to say is the fact that don't look up is nominated for best picture is some of the stupidest fucking shit I've ever seen in my life ever. When you have movies like fucking red rocket or let me just look at some of my favorite movies of last year or pig or fucking, um, No Time to Die or The Last Duel or Spider-Man, all of which are significantly fucking better than this garbage-ass fucking movie, all right? And you nominate the movie that everyone fucking hates because it's about climate change, because it makes you feel good about yourself and about your views on the world. Fuck off. Fuck right off. Okay, then, then you get to director. All right, let me let me read out the nominees for you. Kenneth Branagh for Belfast. Okay, all right, whatever. Ryusuke Hamaguchi for Drive My Car. I have not seen Drive My Car. I cannot speak to it. Paul Thomas Anderson for Licorice Pizza. Okay, I understand. Jane Campion for Power of the Dog. Whatever. I I don't think that that movie is nearly as good as everyone thinks that it is. And Steven Spielberg for West Side Story, a movie that I, again, have not seen. What I can say about West Side Story is that I have seen the way that the camera moves in the trailers. I've seen still images, and I think that it probably is an incredibly well-directed movie. But here's the problem. Nowhere, nowhere in here do you hear Denis Villeneuve's name. Okay. 
Dune is nominated for 10 Oscars. It is the second most nominated movie of the year. And it has nominations in literally every single one of the technical categories. It is up for production design. It is up for cinematography. It's up for costume design. It is up for achievement and sound. It is up for best editing. It is up for best original score. It is up for best visual effects. Why in the fuck is it nominated for all of these technical categories, but the guy who hired all the people to do all of those things and give his vision, why is he not nominated for best director? How does that make any fucking sense? I am quite heated over some of these uh, these picks. I, I I don't understand actor in a leading role. You had Javier Bardem in being the Ricardos. What have has anyone seen being the Ricardos? It is a laughably mediocre fucking movie, and he's nominated for actor. In a, in, in a leading role over the likes of Simon Rex for fucking Red Rocket or Nick Cage for Pig or like, I don't fucking know. Like, I'm trying to think of another one that I would have nominated over him. I don't know. It, it doesn't fucking matter. The point is, is this year it really seemed like the Academy just either did not give a shit at all about anything that they were doing or they were actively doubling down on the shit that has rightfully got them no fucking viewers for the past 10 to 15 years. Mm -hmm. No one gives a shit about Javier Bardem and being the Ricardos. No one gives a shit about Nicole Kidman and being the Ricardos. No one has even fucking heard of the movie Parallel Mothers. Why are you like... I understand to an extent, like I think that the best of the best of the best is the best, right? Mm -hmm. Sorry for like all of the alliteration, but let me put it to you this way. Dune is nominated for best picture, not because it's a gigantic box office success because it's just that damn good. Why are we fucking around with movies like The Power of the Dog. Why are we fucking around with movies like... I hate to say it because I actually like the movie, but Belfast. Mm. I just... I've gone on a rant and I feel like I've hijacked the podcast for a, a long amount of time, so I'm going <laughs> to shut up now. But I just think that this is bullshit. And I, I think that... The Academy really, really needs to stop fucking sucking its own dick and get its head out of its ass. Because if they want to be around and be relevant in another 10 years, they need to fucking do that. Mm -hmm. In my life. Do you feel like they're going to be here in another 10 years? Because I don't. I I mean, I I think they'll still be around, but no one like it's going to be to the point that like they won't be holding televised ceremonies. Right. Because no one's going to give a fuck. I don't give a fuck. I, I was a little shocked that Spider-Man didn't get nominated for Best Picture. I will say that. 
but I have no fucking standpoints on any of the other movies, so it doesn't even make a difference. I just am a Spider-Man fan, and I think the movie was great, so I was a little shocked that I didn't make it in there. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of shocked, too, considering that they have been actively, like, saying, like, we want to get more eyes on this shit. We want to get more eyes on this shit. And then, like, none of the movies, with the exception of Dune, were really gigantic successes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I can understand how for somebody uh <clears throat> for somebody like you who indulges in films as much as they do, I can understand how that would be extremely frust- uh an extremely frustrating scenario. Yeah. Well, t- <laughs> before 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 we move on, what's really really frustrating is just a couple years ago they got it right. Mm-hmm. Like they they went through and it was let me see. It was 2019 was the year. So it would have been the 2020 Oscars. Parasite won. And it was the best movie of the year. It was the most entertaining movie of the year. It was exceptionally shot. It was exceptionally edited. Like great performances by everyone. Like it was the, the best movie. And I was thinking to myself, holy shit. Mm. They've finally fucking done something. They've, they, they're understanding what they're supposed to be doing. And then the next year they give it to fucking nomad land. What? (laughs) (sighs) All right. Anyway, let's move on because I've hijacked the podcast for a soapbox argument. Well, I just wish I could be as passionate as you are about film and the Oscars. Just about anything. Because it's fucking astounding. It is. Yeah, I don't know. I love movies. What can I say? You do love movies. I love that for you. Know your shit. Yeah, I kind of do love that for you. (laughs) You started watching some fucking weird shit, Austin. (laughs) Yeah, I, um, this is one of those situations where I came for the sauce, but I stayed for the plot, bro. (laughs) Like, um, God. So, okay. All right. I started watching uh, Dress Up Darling last night because I keep seeing shit about it on every fucking social media I have. And I was like, okay, fuck it. Let me go ahead and give this a shot because it's kind of like it, 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 it seems like up, up there with like Attack on Titan and Demon Slayer that it's like one of the most popping anime of the season for some fucking reason. So I was like, okay, let me check it out. And... If you can get past how incredibly horny this show is, the entire 24-minute runtime, it's actually a pretty good show. Um, I'm I'm not typically too into Slice of Life. I don't think that I've ever watched any Slice of Life anime to completion because uh, it's just typically not my thing. I'm in much more into the uh, action, adventure, and, you know, sci-fi shit, but... Uh, I've been, I'm kind of bored of, of really everything right now. So I was like, okay, well, you know, fuck it. Let me try this. And the story starts out. There's a lot of themes that I feel like the show wants to tackle, but it kind of just keeps falling back on the horny aspect, which is weird. Like, um, the, the story focuses around a, uh, high school student named Gojo and he has a passion for, uh, making HEMA dolls. 
And Hema dolls are like a, uh, it's like a traditional Japanese thing that you would buy for your daughter. And as she gets older, you would like dress it up and decorate it. And it's used to pray for like good fortune and good health and stuff like that. Um, but his granddad makes them and taught him how to make them. And so he wanted to make them himself. And he's kind of like, he's like a loner outcast type kid because when he was a child and he, you know, started to find his passion for, for Hema dolls, uh, he had a, uh, a female childhood best friend. And when she found out about his passion, she, it shows a flashback of her like freaking out. She was like, that's disgusting. Boys shouldn't play with dolls. You're going to grow up to be some kind of sick perv. And I was like, okay, there, there's some like tackling societal gender, gender norm themes here. Like I'm, I'm cool with that. I'm kind of down for that. And eventually one day he kind of, uh, has a chance run in with uh, like the high school heart fucking heartthrob. And the amount of fucking detail they put into every single inch of this character's body is insane. Like, I swear to God, the dudes that animate this are straight up having a WWE cage match with their junk underneath the fucking desk while they're working. Um, but it, they not a picture I wanted, man. <laughs> <laughs> but, um. Eventually, he ends up, uh, her big passion is cosplay, but she doesn't really know how to do it because she doesn't really have the, she doesn't have the means to buy the expensive outfits and she doesn't really have the know-how to make them. Well, that's where Gojo comes in, have making, you know, clothes for the Hema dolls. He begins to start sewing cosplay outfits for her and their relationship kind of starts to blossom off of that. Um, I'm only on episode three. I think there's five episodes out in total. I think the manga's finished, so I'm probably just going to read the manga and then catch up, catch back up with the anime later. Um, but it, like I said, if you can get past all the weird, horny, gross shit, um, it's a really cute and really sweet plot, and I'm kind of digging it so far. Josh, Ooh. are you going to watch it? Probably not. Okay. I'm not big into horny animes. Funny enough, when I did watch anime, it was generally slice of life. Really? Yeah. I think, I think there was one that I watched when I was younger. I it was it was like about a high school swim team. I can't fucking remember it, but it, it was all right. I don't think I finished it though. Uh, think you know? Have you ever heard of Shuffle? I have heard of it. I've never seen it though. I watched that one. I remember that. So there we go. Okay. Josh, you're into Slice of Life, aren't you? Uh, less so. Really? Yeah. I, I There are some series that, uh, that I like, but it's not, it's not usually a series that I will, uh. I feel that. Or not series, sorry. Genre. It's not usually like a, a genre that I'll mm-hmm. gravitate towards. Well, it's pretty good. I'm probably going to go watch it as soon as we're done with this. So cool. I'm happy for you. Me too. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, uh, Dylan, do you have anything? Uh, not really just kind of a lot going on, but like nothing of importance talked about. I'm going to a concert on Friday. So that's cool. Mm. But I'm going to see that. uh kill switch. Light the torch. Oh, that'll be and loud. August burns red. So, oh, <laughs> yeah, dude, I haven't, I haven't seen August burns red in a long time. That'll be really fucking cool. 
Yeah. I'm a, one of my bucket list things literally was to see Howard and Jesse share a stage and perform just anything in regards to kill switch. So I'm excited. Hell yeah. Um, that sounds fucking rad. Yeah. That'll be Sabrina's first concert. So that'll be fun too. Um, what about, what else? Yeah. And then I was just, (laughs) I was just talking to Josh about it, but, uh, this is not a joke. I actually just had my first uh, sponsored stream opportunity come up. And I was kind of like, oh, wow, that's really cool. I wonder what it is. And when I found out, it was uh, Raid Shadow Legends. <laughs> so I don't know if we're going to be doing that or not. I, I was trying to do it. I mean, yes, but it also requires people to like download it and play it and stuff. And I don't know if I myself can play it for four hours. Oh, is that what they want you to do? Yeah, I think so. I need to read a little bit more into it, but that's Ooh, that's a lot of real estate. Yeah. I don't know about that. If it was like maybe an hour or two, sure. Okay, but yeah, four hours? I, I don't know that. about that. That's, it's a commitment. I don't know. Um, just the fact that I even have the opportunity is pretty cool, so I'll look mm-hmm. into it. Um, that being said, if, if I do happen to do it and anyone from the podcast wants to stop by and play Raid Shadow Legends... Uh, do so, but no, I don't know. Uh, a lot going on, still streaming pretty much every day. I actually have not missed a day. My fr- the first day that I will not stream in like two, three weeks will be this Friday when I go to the concert. Uh, oh yeah. But yeah, that's it. Are you uh, are you a fan of of uh, August Burns Red at all? Um, like I'll listen to their music if it comes on. It's not something, and I'm not shitting on them. I, it's just not something that I actively go out of my way to listen to, like I would with Killswitch. Yeah. Um, but I do enjoy a good few of their songs, like Mariana's Trench. I think that's the one that I've heard the most. Yeah, Mariana's Trench is the shit. Yeah. Uh, I <clears throat> I used to be really heavily into them, and then it kind of got to the point where they were uh, just a little bit too preachy for me. Like, like the whole, like, shoving religion down your throat thing didn't really start to sit right with me. So I, I, I still go back and listen to some of their older shit every now and then. But they're, pre- they're at really fucking good live, though. I've seen them yeah. probably two or three times, and they're fucking awesome. Well, I, I mean, I'm down for it to listen to them live or whatever. But it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm really just there for, like, the torch and kill switch. I feel that. Cool. <clears throat> all right well i'll uh i'll kind of run through my last two things uh relatively quickly because i did eat up a lot of time with that oscars bullshit <laughs> um so i watched uh the jackass trilogy of movies um the other night uh, i was unable to sleep <laughs> and so i said this is what i'm gonna do with my life and uh yeah those movies are still really fun they yeah. mostly hold up incredibly well. <clears throat> and there's something that I think I never really caught, I guess, when I was watching them as a teenager um, that I'll talk about in a minute. Uh, but it kind of put the, the whole series in a different light for me. Um, and... That means that when I when I do go to see Jackass Forever, probably this weekend, uh, I'm probably going to get way more emotional than I should. <laughs> Good luck. I've heard it's really <laughs> gross. Okay. Um, 
Well, yeah. So, I mean, there's not much to say about the filmmaking because it's very just like documentary type style. Like it, there's, there isn't really a whole lot going on with like the filmmaking. It's mostly just watching these dudes do skits that are fucking stupid. Like taking a fucking, uh, I don't even remember what it was, but like uh, this taser type design device and putting it on your fucking nutsack and zapping your nutsack <laughs> or getting like ran over by bulls or drinking horse cum, you know, it is a bunch of dumb <laughs> I shit. They did that. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of it, I was laughing pretty much the entire way through, um, my viewing of all, all three movies, but there was some stuff, uh, especially in Jackass one and two that didn't hold up as well. Uh, I think, and I, I, I kind of think that a lot of people are, would be like, Oh, so I read that you said that the other day and I was trying to think of what it could be, but I couldn't pin it down. It's been a while since I've seen it. What's an example of that? Uh, sure well, the, the big scene. one that immediately sticks out to me is the, um, the terrorist skit mm-hmm. where they dress up Aaron McGahey as a, uh, as an Islamic terrorist. Yeah. And to, to kind of top that off, they also all shave their pubes <laughs> and use that for the beard hair. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And didn't tell him about it and didn't tell him about it, which I, I mean, I think kind of couldn't tell him about it because then he wouldn't want to do it sort of thing. But at the right. same time, it's like, oh, dude, that's kind it's of pretty nasty. Okay. That's hella cringe. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that's that's the one big one that I immediately was like, oh, man. Ugh. Could you could you think of one that was that from one? Uh, that's from two. So what could you, what's an example from one? It's truly been a long time. You're saying this, and I want to go watch him now. I'm trying to think of all the stuff that was in one. Uh, Party Boy. I, I'm not oh. sure Party Boy necessarily holds up. You know, he's <laughs> yeah. dancing on strangers. and That's definitely not a yeah, thing. Yeah. No, that would not work in 2022. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, I, but the rest of it, like, for the most part, is all, like, Jackass 3, I think, was has always been my favorite and it's the one that I think has held up the best. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I, to me has the funniest, uh, is that gags. the one with the hand? Yeah. That's the, the one hand? that has the hand. Yeah. yeah. That's like one of my favorite <laughs> skits they've ever fucking done. Dude. That shit is so funny. That, oh. oh my God. We're reminiscing right now. I'm trying not to get emotional, but that's one of the first times, like not first times at all. That is not, that's not the sentence that was supposed to escape my mouth, but I don't know. I, I had a lot of respect for Ryan Dunn because he could always take a joke. Mm-hmm. And then he's just gone. And I don't know how I'm going to feel after watching the new one without him or Bam in the new one, right? Yeah. yeah, Bam's not in it. And that's its own monster to be tackled. But anyway, sorry, Josh. I hijacked your fucking thing this time. I'm sorry. No, that, that that's kind of the point that I was going to get to is like, so I was watching this and I was thinking to myself, um, like these dudes were kind of a family, like mm-hmm. 
to some extent or another, they were definitely like always around one another. They supported each other through thick and thin. Like I think it was at the end of Jackass one. Well, not at the end of Jackass one, but it was like after they had filmed Jackass one, uh, Steve O decided to get sober. Yeah. So like, uh, I, they mentioned, I forget what it was, but they mentioned something about that in Jackass two. And Mm -hmm. I was like, Oh yeah, shit. He, you know, whatever. And like, they've supported him through the entire endeavor, which is kind of like something you can't say about, I don't know, like friends that you knew in high school. Yeah. You know what I mean? For like, sure. it, like these guys kind of became a family and like, and in doing so, you could see when like, there's, I, I can't remember if it's in two or three. I, I think it's in two where, Bam is going to play a prank on someone and he's going to hit him with like the fist or whatever. Or no, 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 no. Sorry. Sorry. That's the wrong one. He is in a, uh, he's going to do something. I don't know. He's going to prank someone. And then they end up trapping him in a horse trailer and they throw a snake. Mm. And he's definitely terrified of snakes. And once he gets out, you know, like, they're all kind of like, ha 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 or whatever. But then when he gets out, like you can see that they all kind of like care about him. They like, they're all checking on him, making sure he's good and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, and they do something similar in three where they fall, they knock him into a pit and it's like full of these fake snakes or whatever. And you can see like the fear in his eyes. (laughs) Uh, but like once they actually start putting, actual snakes in there and he's like really legitimately freaking out like they help him out you know what i mean yeah and they're not gonna like let him get there and 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 have to actually suffer through shit Mm -hmm. uh and it just kind of like i don't know got me really kind of teary-eyed and especially when you think about the fact that yeah ryan dunn is gone and he was like a big part of their family Mm -hmm. and then the end of three <laughs> ends with like this song that's talking about all the memories that they've made. And it, it, like, I was just like, fuck dude. I remember being friends with people and like, like I have these memories, r- very fond memories of like thinking that my friends were going to be around me forever. And then they're not. Mm-hmm. And uh yeah, it just got me a little bit emotional, and now I'm going to go into Jackass Forever and be like, "Well, fuck." Yeah, I think all I, of us can understand that feeling, though. I can, because not only are they, they older themselves, but two of the key cast members aren't there anymore. One due to just fucking tragic death, and the other were spiraling out of control from said tragic death. Mm-hmm. It just sucks, man, because they literally are a family. Mm. For them to be able to pull, and not even for them, because he had to make the choice himself, but to pull Steve-O out of the hell he was in says a lot. Yeah. Steve-O was into some fucking wild shit uh, around the time that uh, they were doing, or like right after uh, Jackass 1 came out. Do you guys know he only got paid $1,200 for that? Holy shit. (laughs) $1,200 to do all of that. Fuck That's that. crazy, man. Yeah, no, I'm not going through that. Hell no. Josh, where did you watch the three? 
Uh, they're all on, uh, I believe, Paramount Plus. Damn it! The one thing I don't have. They're on Prime too. Though, okay, this the two things I don't have. <laughs> <laughs> Although I, I, I think you still have to pay for them on Prime unless you subscribe to some oh. other bullshit subscription they bundle in there. Fucking, you would think Netflix, Hulu, and HBO would be enough, and Peacock, but no, <laughs> it's not enough. Why do you have Peacock? Uh, sports. Oh, okay, fair. <sighs> Which are about to be over. Yeah. So he's like, I'm going to cancel it and I'll resubscribe. Probably because <laughs> fuck them for doing the office shit that they did. I have it all on Blu ray. I don't need it. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, uh, last thing I want to talk about is a little movie called Belfast that is up for Best Picture. So uh, I am endeavoring to get to every movie that is nominated before the Oscars hit on, I think it's March 27th. Uh, I'm not a hundred percent sure. I have, as of yesterday, I had 47 days before the Oscars happened. Um, so I'm endeavoring to watch literally every movie that is nominated and try to predict based on, on that. Uh, and that includes short films. Are you going to do like a live viewing on Twitch or something? Uh, I might, uh, I, uh, that probably has some DMCA stuff, doesn't it? Maybe. Maybe. I'm, I feel like people probably do it anyway, as long as you're not showing stuff, but maybe I'm wrong. I feel like I've seen people do that before. I don't know. We'll look into it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if that's the case, I might, I might, yeah, I might stream it. That'd be pretty cool. Um, yeah, so I started with Belfast, uh, and this is the movie by Kenneth Branagh, who is um, a very well-known actor. Uh, at one point, he was referred to as uh, the next uh, Laurence Olivier. Um, very theatrical, uh, and he has kind of branched out into doing his own like uh, directing and writing stuff. Um, he's been doing it for a while. Uh, like He did Murder on the Orient Express uh, from a couple of years ago. Um, I think he was behind the Artemis Fowl movie, uh, for Disney. I could be wrong about that, but, um, anyway, but this is a movie that is semi autobiographical. Oh my God. I can't talk autobiographical. Uh, and it takes place in Belfast, Ireland in 1969. Um, and this movie is just very sweet. Um, that's probably the best way I could describe it. Uh, it has some really genuinely sweet and moving moments in it that I don't think I have seen in any of the other movies that I've watched, uh, for best picture this year, maybe licorice pizza. Um, but the, the movie really is kind of a nostalgia trip, I think. And it kind of, it, it, in much the way, same way that Licorice Pizza transports you to a place in time, this movie transports you to a place in time. Uh, and there are lots of things to love about this movie. I think that the cinematography is really, really beautiful. It's shot in black and white. 
and has these little pops of color in sort of, uh, I think it's like three or four scenes, but like they are sort of used there to kind of show the magic of what's happening in a child's eyes. Like one of the, um, one of the scenes with color in it is the family goes to a movie theater, I believe. And they're watching Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. And you see Chitty Chitty Bang Bang playing in, in, uh, color. And, but when it cuts back to like the family watching it, you can see in the grandma's glasses, the colors reflecting, which I thought was like a really nice and cool touch. Um, and there's some really incredible acting in this. I think that, uh, Kieran Hines or Sierra Hines, I'm not sure how you say it. Um, uh, is a, a shoe in for uh, best supporting actor. Although I haven't seen all the, the nominees. So I, you know, I could be wrong, but I, I think that he should win it. He, he's excellent in this. Um, I think the writing is really good. Uh, although I do think that there's some, uh, some stuff that is maybe not explored or like is kind of like dropped, uh, from like near the beginning. Uh, and it, it shouldn't have been dropped because it just kind of like hangs and hangs and hangs. And then it's picked up again at the end. And I would have liked to seen more of that stuff. Um, the score is really nice. I, I like the score. Uh, I don't know. I, I think that this movie is really a sentimental, uh, it's a, not about sentimentality, but it's, it's like a sentimental little picture of like a specific place in someone's life. And I think that, uh, I think that it's a real, like, I don't want to say crowd pleaser, but like, it's one of the movies that I think that a lot of people can see and think to themselves, ah, that was good. That was a movie that like brought me out of my depression. (laughs) Oh, wow. Is that what I need? Uh, right. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I don't think that it's, I don't think that it's, the best movie I've seen this year. Um, I, I think especially of the ones nominated, I think licorice pizza has it beat out, but I did really enjoy it. I, I did think that it was very good. So yeah. GG. 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 Kenneth Brenna. <laughs> all right. Well, with that all said, Every now and again, an argument seems to arise between staunch defenders of video games as a medium and the high-class snobbery that is the rest of the art world. Uh, And that debate, obviously, being whether or not video games are considered art. Uh, One thing that I think all of us here at Hunting Pixels uh, definitely agree with is that video games are art. So when we get into the real meat and potatoes of the argument, it seems to come down to what video games provide. Most people who disagree with the idea of video games as art point to games such as Super Mario for their lack of artistic expression and pure entertainment value. Uh, let's 
you know, table that for just a second because that could also be said of shit like Transformers. So fuck off. <laughs> um, anyway, while we can argue about that at some other juncture, there is one thing that uh, that argument leaves out, and that is the wealth of video games that have told and are telling impactful stories based on moral, philosophical, political, and downright human stories. And it is thanks to Austin that we came to discuss some of them for you today, and potentially as a recurring topic in the future. Mm-hmm. What we plan to do for your listening pleasure is to discuss one game apiece and break down the more articulate points of its story and design and determine where it sits with us today. So, Austin, since it is your yeah. topic, why don't you start us off? All right, sure. Um, it probably isn't a super big surprise that the game I'm bringing to the table is Persona 5 Royal. And uh, <coughs> for discretion, I won't, with this, I won't be spoiling any of the major story plot points for uh, the base version of Persona 5. So that shouldn't be impacted at all. However, uh, there's going to obviously be huge spoilers for the final arc of Persona 5 Royal, which is basically the biggest draw to it. It's basically the, you know, the 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 new content to resell you a $60 game that you already bought. Um, and the arc, the specific arc I'm talking about revolves around a character uh, named Dr. Maruki. Dr. Maruki starts off as an almost forgettable character who, along with Kasumi, are new characters introduced in Royal. Uh, he starts off as as kind of a guidance counselor appointed by the school to counsel students that were involved in the Kamoshida incident, which is the first arc of Persona 5. And um, he's offering his services to the protagonist and eventually having sessions with every member of the Phantom Thief that attends the school. Uh, as you play through his story and his social link, you you notice that he has a connection to Kasumi, but it's not really revealed until very, very late in the game. Um, throughout your sessions with him, you learn about his past, uh, mostly his interest in... Ow, fuck, I dropped my phone. Mostly his interest in cognitive science, which kind of piques the protagonist's interest and is what really started to kind of form the relationship in the first place. Um, but you also learn about the tragic loss of the love of his life, which essentially is what sent him spiraling. Um, he had a high school sweetheart named Rumi who uh, one day was involved in a horrific accident when they decided to visit her parents. While they were there, armed men basically broke into the house, killed Rumi's parents in front of them, and viciously attacked her on the way out. All the while, Maruki sits there helpless, not able to do a single thing. Um and the trauma involved in the accident ends up basically putting her into a catatonic state. Uh, during a visit to the hospital, uh, that's really the first first time you see him kind of start to unravel. Uh, at this point, he is wishing and willing to do anything that he felt like could take Rumi's pain away at whatever cost he would have to pay. And then his persona awakens. And with his persona, gives him the ability to rewrite the cognition of a single individual. Um, so he ends up rewriting her entire cognition into thinking that her parents died at a very young age that she couldn't remember. Uh, she lived with her grandparents her whole life, but because of that, because she has those false memories of living with her grandparents so far away from where she actually grew up, she doesn't have any memories of ever meeting Maruki at all. 
Um, and he begins to – he starts to accept that that was just the cost of what he felt like he had to do. And the best thing for him to do was just move forward and let her move forward and not try to bring any of that back up. And this is kind of where you start to see he is for, he begins to form a messiah complex because he's like, okay, if I can do this for her and I can take her pain away, there has to be a way that I can get my power strong enough that I can do this for everyone and anyone. I can give them the perfect life and give them everything they ever wanted. But the problem is it's all fate. It's all an illusion. Anyone outside of that illusion can see what's going on. They might not understand it, but they can still see it. Um, once the final arc of Royal starts to pick up, Joker kind of starts to notice that there's just weird shit going on um, in the sense that uh, the main, uh, some of the main characters who have deceased parents prior to the story or that happened during the story, their parents are back alive. And they're all living happy families, living with happy families and having happy lives. Uh, Ryuji never hurt his knee because he was never involved in the Kamoshida incident. So he had a full ride scholarship to the perfect college to play track. Uh, Chiho never dealt with the Kamoshida incident. So she never jumped from the rooftop to, to escape the sexual abuse she was dealing with. So her and Anne were able to live their high school years perfectly happy and normal. And then we get to Kasumi, who was uh, one of the other new characters introduced in the story. And Maruki twists her cognition so hard that she genuinely believes her, her real name is Kasumi. And she has taken the identity of her deceased sister so she could let go of that grief. Once Joker kind of realizes what's going on, he's able to kind of snap everybody out of it and say, hey, like this isn't real. We need to figure this out. We need to do something about it. And appreciating and respecting Joker the way that Maruki begins to over the course of your confidant sessions, he offers Joker a choice. He can say, hey, he says, hey, stop fighting. Come live in this world. You'll be happy. Nothing is going to ever be wrong with you again. You don't ever have to worry about anything again. Anything you could ever want, you will get. Like, what is so wrong with what I'm trying to give you? And the entire main cast argument is that taking away the ability for somebody to feel pain then also takes away their ability to grow. It takes away their ability to learn from tragic events and learn from grief and learn from trauma. And it, 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 it sticks them in, in, in an almost mindless, immature state. And that hit really hard for me because some of the biggest, like, like, all, the biggest problems in my mental health are based on trauma, um, and that trauma is based on grief. Um, I'm sure I've talked about it at least once when it was relevant. Uh, when I was 17, I, I watched the most important person in my life take their last breath. Like, I held their hand as they took their last breath. And the year that followed, all I could think about was, holy shit, I would rather feel nothing at all than feel this. I hate this. I hate feeling like this. And if something like this was possible and somebody were to actually offer me that choice uh, at two 17-year-old me, I don't know that even knowing the full context of the situation, I don't know that I would have turned it down because I think I would have rather, I would have rather been trapped in something that's not real than to face what was actually going on and what was actually hurting me. Um, so my question to the two of you 
is I, I guess where where would you stand on that? Would you think that it's okay to to live in this lie as long as you're perfectly happy and you're going to get everything that you ever want? Or is it still wrong because at the end of the day, none of it's real? I mean, <laughs> to me, it's it sucks because I've lived through shit that I wish I could forget. But I think ultimately the point of everything, like you said is growth and unfortunately without all of the trauma that i've gone through in my life i would not be the person that i am today and even though i have rough days like the past couple of days probably spawned from something Mm -hmm. and you know inside of that trauma i take solace in knowing that i'm an okay person at the end of it i have a fantastic girlfriend a a decent job, a great hobby, great friends in the both of you. Um, And, you know, pets that I love and adore. And I don't think I would be here, unfortunately, without all the fucked up shit that happened along the way. Yeah. And I can completely understand that as well. I think going through what I went through at the end of the day made me, um, honestly, I think it made me a better parent than I would have been. That's true as well. Honestly. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm pretty sure I sit in the same exact spot as the two of you. I, I think that um, kind of what you experience makes you who you are. Mm-hmm. And without those experiences, you cannot become, I guess, who you're meant to be. Uh, is if I am putting it indelicately. Yeah. Um, I got you. Yeah. I, I, I tend to think that like you need to experience pain and trauma in your life or else like, I, I kind of feel like, I, and I, I don't want people who are, um, more, I guess, well off, uh, to take this the wrong way, but like, People who uh, grow up in nice, tight nuclear families and never have to worry about money or anything like that, they can often grow up into being sociopaths and can grow up into being fucking just straight up bad people, like just straight up. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, it's not everyone, but like I remember – uh, I I mean, again, maybe maybe this is me not knowing full stories behind you know what was going on, but like the people who picked on me when I was in elementary, middle, and high school were the fucking rich kids, mm-hmm. right? Same. Always they, they were the people who had fucking money, and like eventually, you know, those people either got their shit together and, and, you know, recognized the error of their ways or they grew up to be fucking big old pieces of shit. Mm -hmm. And I think because of my bullying, I grew up to be a different person and I think a better person because of that. And it sucked while I was going through it. It fucking God, it fucking sucked. Mm -hmm. But I look at where I am now and I'm like, 
well, I'm glad that that shit happened to me. Yep. So, um, well, not necessarily glad that it happened, but made you thankful for the person you could grow into. <laughs> yeah, 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 sure. yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so yeah, like I, I, I was actually just thinking about that the other day. I remember I was in, uh, fuck, was it? I think it was like ninth grade, and I had a CD player that I would listen to on the bus all the time. And my book bag, I thought it was the coolest fucking thing. My book bag came with like a little CD carrier that attached to it through like a, like a carabiner or some shit. It is pretty cool. And I put like fucking all of my CDs in there. And at one point I had put some fucking video games in there to take over to my friend's house or whatever. And one day while I was riding the bus, a kid fucking stole it and threw it out the fucking window. Yo, dude. Yeah. I don't know why the fuck I thought about that, but I remember distinctly like two days ago just thinking about that shit. Just popped into my fucking brain. Did you scrap after that? No. Fucking why was I going to do that? Like, it sucked. I lost, I lost, you know, fuck, I I think I lost The Bouncer. I think I lost Silent Hill 2. Damn. Uh, I lost some of my favorite CDs ever. Mm -hmm. Um, But... It's just fucking shit, right? Yeah, and, and yeah. I don't, I don't want to get into a fucking fight over, over that kind of shit. Yeah, you know? I feel that. I don't know, uh, but yeah. Anyway, the the point being that yes, I I think that uh, I think being blind to your pain is not the way to go. Mm-hmm. For sure, and that's ultimately that's where I came to because you know like everything else in that godforsaken fucking game uh it, it gives you a choice you have the option to uh you know more or less fight for your fucking freedom or you can totally submit to Dr. Maruki and just let it happen and it's it, it's considered the quote-unquote bad ending but like it's arguably kind of better than the actual ending like everyone kind of ends off a little bit better but I'd also feel like that that's kind of the point. Yeah. Well, y'all are killing me with these silences, man. They feel so good today. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I, I, to be fair, was drinking. No, I heard it coming. I heard his silent belch. I knew he was (laughs) setting us up for the, uh, transition. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, no, but I, I feel you. I feel you. Um, Dylan, that was a good choice. Yeah. Um, me next. Great. Yeah. I, I'm going to, I'm going to say you next because I think that potentially the game that I have picked, uh, might actually be yours. So I have a backup in case. No way. Mm-hmm. Well, what is it? Yeah, I'm sitting here trying to think. I was like, there's no way we chose the same game. I don't know. We, we might have. Maybe you should start say with? yours and we'll find out. Oh, my God. Yeah, you just you just say yours. No, no, no. No, you're making me anxious. Oh, God. I can't take this. As soon as you thing. say yours, I will tell you what mine is. Okay. Okay. Spider-Man. Oh, shit. Okay. I did not see that at all. Uh, I went with Dark Souls. See? Oh. It was a ball hair away from being Dark Souls. That's okay. funny as shit. <laughs> of course it was. Um, no, because Dark Souls... Dark Souls? <laughs> Dark Souls. Dark Souls has some great ambiguity behind it. Um, mm. 
So please forgive me for how erratic and jumbled these thoughts are going to come across, but um, Spider-Man does a great job at posing a lot of questions that have what I believe to be moral ambiguity. Um, I grew up really adoring Spider-Man and loving everything that he stood for. And as a kid, it's like, that's absolutely who I want to be, who I could be, etc. Um, growing up, as weird as it might sound, I've kind of put myself in Peter's shoes and it's like, could I have made the same choices he made? Um, like from the beginning of Spider-Man 2018, we see him, we're looking at the capture of Fisk and it shows us immediately that without him as the kingpin of New York, a deadly and catastrophic force moves in, but also leaving him where he was is also completely unacceptable as well because he's literally getting away with murder and various other felonies. Um, and that's in the game's opening. And it's like, I thought about that and it's what, what would I have done? I mean, I didn't, you know, from Peter's perspective, he didn't know that something terrible was about to move in. So in his defense, like it was the right choice, get Fisk out of the way. But knowing from an outside perspective as a third party perspective, like which do you do like to never have the demons or do you never, you know, have to worry about Fisk again? It's one of, it's just, it posed a pretty great question just as soon as the game started. Um, but Peter has to come to terms with a lot in his story. Um, Mary Jane, the person he loves and wants to spend his life with is consistently getting herself into places and situations that spell immediate danger. And on the one hand, Peter is justifiably worried for her safety. And on the other, now he knows exactly how she feels when he's out doing God knows what. And that's where trust kind of comes in. And it really starts to make you think about not even their relationship, but just relationships overall that form based off of trust. And, you know, I mean, that's not, I mean, that kind of builds into Miles's relationship later too, when he does inevitably get bit by the spider and he develops powers and Peter has to train him um, later in the Miles Morales game. But, um, so on top of that, we see Peter, this is where it kind of sucks. This in the next part really got me, but, um, we see him face the harrowing choice of taking on Otto, And that's the man that was like his father. Uh, and he was slowly descending into madness and violence and just doing things that weren't in his nature whatsoever. And that's, just seeing Peter have to watch someone that he cared for as a father just slip away. That was a hard part for me to experience because as someone who has lost a father that I did care for seeing Peter have to go through something similar after already knowing that he's lost Ben, it crushed me because it's, it's like how much can a soul take? How much can a person experience before they're just crushed, you know? Um, but lastly, the ultimate choice, what, what got me thinking about this topic in general was the finale 
It was Aunt May, the woman who raised him, loved him, provided for him, taught him valuable lessons in life, and simply, truly was his rock. Peter was faced at the end of the day with the ultimate decision of saving her with the vaccine or saving the entire population of the city that had been infected. Mm -hmm. He's watching her weak and dying and knows the weight of the world is on his shoulders. Once again, only this time it hits a little too close to home and making the ultimate sacrifice. He chooses to save the, the, the people he chose the greater good, a choice that I myself do not know if I could have been as selfless as he was to do watching the person that I love most in this world suffer in front of me and in my hands is the key to end that suffering. It, I thought about my dad. I thought if I could cure his cancer in a heartbeat, would I have done it? Or could I have, you know, knowing that I could have saved X other situation, you know, mm -hmm. whatever. Um, seeing Sabrina in the situation that, you know, let's just say Aunt May was in, could I have done that? Um, or would I have been able to sit there and watch her just die? Mm -hmm. It was, it hit hard, man. So the same way Austin posed a question to us, I'll pose a question back to you guys. Could you have made the same choice Peter did? Because it's, it's out of my realm of thinking until, you know, without being in that moment, I can sit here and say all day that I could do it. But when I truly think about it, it's rough and I don't, I don't know. So what about you guys? <clears throat> uh, no. Yeah. Just outright. Right. I mean, I mean, it's, I, I, it's incredible. Like I, I know that that makes me sort of a bad person, but like, one of the things that I think, uh, to an extent, makes Joel such a human character at the end of The Last of Us 2 is that he makes that the decision that, like, 99% of us would make. He does not want to see his loved one lost. Mm -hmm. yep. And and I, I think that, again, 99% of us would, in his shoes, do the exact same yeah. thing. Because I think that 99% of us the selfishness takes over at a certain point and our survival instincts to kick in. And I mean, same, same thing with, with, uh, Peter and, um, and Aunt May. And I kind of think one of the things that people th think about wrongly when we look at heroes and stuff like that is, Heroes are supposed to have aspirational qualities. We are not supposed to be heroes. We because we are human. We like straight up we are human beings. So when you look at Peter Parker and what he does for May, you don't necessarily have to have made the same exact choice because you are a human. You have emotions. These things weigh on you. But heroes are above that. That's why fucking uh, I mean, we can talk about the, the the darkness of Batman and all of his stories or whatever, but like the reason that Batman is aspirational is because he uses his trauma to do good. It's not because, you know, he's fighting crime or whatever, but no, because he has decided that he's going to take the thing that has shaken him to his core since he was a child 
and do something about it so then no one else has to feel what he felt. Mm -hmm. That's the reason that he does what he does. That's why he's aspirational. Mm -hmm. And I think that uh, a lot of people tend to kind of forget that when we look at games like uh, when people started talking. The whole discourse around The Last of Us Part 2 is just fucking stupid. But like, (laughs) yes, Joel did the bad thing by saving Ellie. But he did the human thing by saving Ellie. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have to be a hero in that instance. Mm-hmm. Like, and same, the opposite is said of Peter. Like, Peter is the hero. He isn't a broken shell of a man the way that Joel is. He chooses to save the world because he is a hero. Because it is the good thing. It's heartbreaking. And mm-hmm. it fucks him up because of it. But it's the right thing to do. In the same set of circumstances, I don't know that I could make the decision he made because I'm not that strong. Yeah. No. And I I get that. Like, it's validated to me that I struggled with the choice as strongly as I did. Like, I know what the right choice is. But it's not the choice that I necessarily want to make. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Austin. So, uh, going going back to the traumatic situation that I experienced and I just talked about, um, if I had the option, like if I, if in my hand I had the absolute cure for Alzheimer's and dementia, except if I gave it to this person. Nobody else could have it. It couldn't be reproduced. I think that where where my mental space was at that point in my life, I would have absolutely, I would have absolutely done the selfish thing, and and I would have I would have used it on him. And obviously that that probably wouldn't be the right thing to do in that situation. But like what Josh said, that's that like that's kind of the human aspect. Like I watching even before he passed away, like watching the person that raised you, like look you in the face, like look you dead in the fucking eyes and tell you that he does not know who you are and to get the fuck out of his house. Like I, I cried more that night that he did that to me. I cried more that night than I did at my dad's funeral. I cried so hard that night that I stayed up all night violently fucking puking in the bathroom because I was just so, I was so torn and upset and confused. And I think that if I would have had the option to take all of that away and bring him back to what he was, I would, I, I would have done it. I would have done it in a fucking heartbeat. And I genuinely don't think I would have thought twice about it. Um, again, obviously, that's probably the wrong thing to do, but it ultimately it's what I would have wanted. And it just speaks to just the humanization part that Josh was talking about. Like that's, can you even call it the wrong choice? I don't yeah, think. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, it might have, us it might individually, be wrong to it could have been life changing. Right. Mm-hmm. Now that being said, bouncing back to what you were just talking about, this is kind of coming full circle. Those traumas also made us who you and I are today and the tr- struggles that Josh has gone through too. It's like without that, 
we might not be exactly where we're at. And even that in itself is scary to me because I don't know if I want to be another person because I'm so comfortable being who I am now. It's like, would I have been a better person? Question mark. Would I have been a worse person? Question mark. It's I, I don't know, mm-hmm. but I know who I am now and I'm okay with this person. I have my struggles and I have my ambitions and things that I want to attain and it's hard and stuff like that, but I'm working towards it. But it's like, what if I, what if anything else would have happened? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, yeah, I mean, it's, this is a good episode. This is an emotional episode. <laughs> yeah, I know. Christ. I'm trying not to think about it too much. Because I, I, I 1000% almost cried talking about that. Holy yeah. shit. This is your fault. Remember when I said that at it the beginning of the fault. episode? Well, fuck me. Uh, well, you let's, let's, you let's, let's end it with Josh. Let's see how much more emotional damage we can take right now. Uh, probably not as much because I, I think I went more into the, uh, well, maybe not philosophical. I, I, I feel like you guys are, are maybe looking at it like moralistically and, and ethically where I mm. went like really philosophical <laughs> okay. about like, uh, you know, existence. <laughs> well, uh, that as well. Okay. Well, shit. That's something else I struggle with. So let's fucking go. All right. Let's well, go for it. Okay, so Dark Souls. Dark Souls is the game that I uh, I picked for this. And part of it is because uh, this definitely is something that I, I think I deal with uh, all the time. Like, what is the meaning of existence and stuff like that? Um, but I, I can't go into the whole, like, mythos and, like, whole backstory about everything that happens in dark souls, because I kind of think that one it's, it's a little bit hard to follow, but two, I think that it's less important to what the game is, uh, is kind of like talking about philosophically. So basically the long and short of it is there was an age of the ancients where dragons ruled the world. And then there was this, this primordial fire that was known as the first flame that somehow manifested. And basically when that manifested, there was then a distinction between when someone was alive, when someone was dead, when there was lightness and when there was darkness, there were these Lord souls, uh, or well, there were these four people that find these Lord souls near the first flame and they granted them immense power or whatever. And then over time, the flame starts to go out the, the first flame, right? And this is during the age of fire. Well, these four Lords are tasked with preserving the fire. And then, uh, at one point, I think it's at the end of the, the first age of fire. I don't fucking remember. Uh, Gwen, the Lord of Sunlight, sacrifices himself to prolong the Age of Fire, right? Well, the game starts at the end of the second Age of Fire. And at this point, humanity is afflicted with this undead curse. And basically, humans have the curse and are perpetually resurrected after death until they start losing their minds. Uh, and this process is called the hollowing. Um, you start out as one of these character or as, uh, I guess the player character or whatever, you're a cursed undead. 
and you're locked away in the undead asylum. Once you escape, you're basically, you go through like a series of missions or whatever to basically end up being told that you need to acquire, uh, or you need to succeed Lord Gwyn, fulfill the prophecy of extending the flame. And in order to do that, you have to acquire the Lord's souls. And at the end of the game, once you've gone all the way through this, uh, it's kind of impressioned upon you that if you, that you can link the flame and preserve the age of fire or let it die out and the age of darkness will come. But the thing is, is that the age of, or well, not the age of fire, but the fire, the first flame is going to continue to be on the precipice of, of going out. This is an overwhelming cycle of like, just, you know, things keep going and going and going. And to that end, I think that this game, uh, and I, th I think that this has kind of been pointed out since the game came out is that this game is like basically the myth of Sisyphus who was this guy that Zeus condemned to be repeatedly pushing a boulder up a hill and then the hill eventually just, or the, the boulder eventually just rolls down the hill again. And he's cursed to do this for all of eternity. And in a way, I think when you look at Dark Souls, it's kind of the same way, right? You fight against boss after boss after boss who just, and maybe not even necessarily bosses, but like enemies who just kick your ass over and over and over and over. And you get up and you keep doing it and you keep doing it and you keep doing it. And I think that when you think about what, uh, like the literal definition of absurdity is, which, uh, I think arrives from existentialism. It's, uh, basically the conflict between the human tendency to seek value or a meaning in life and the inability to find that thing with any real certainty. Right. So like, you could be looking for the meaning of life forever mm -hmm. and never find it. But you could also be looking in and say, well, this is the meaning of my life for right now, or this is the meaning of my life for fucking 10 years from now, that sort of thing. And I think that this game is a perfect example of that because it puts you like each step of dark Souls story kind of dangles a different car uh, carrot in front of you. Like, mm -hmm. it's like, here, here's your goal. So you, when you go complete that goal, it's like, oh, but actually, this is the goal that you have to do. And then eventually it gets to the end where you're tasked with choosing whether or not to extinguish the flame or keep it going. And the thing is, is that if you keep it going, this all just happens again. So I guess the question, since we've all posed questions that I want <laughs> to pose to you, is uh, maybe a little bit more, uh, I, I guess, 
again, philosophical as opposed to ethical or moral. Do you think that there is a purpose to life and that you can find it? Or, God. <laughs> or is it all just meaningless? Mm, I'm the wrong person to ask. Because <laughs> uh, my answer is going to sound completely nihilistic, but... Ah, fuck, man. I think you as a person need to give it purpose. I think humans have this really strong desire to give everything meaning and purpose. Mm -hmm. um, but once you sit back and look at how that's gotten us for the past, I don't know, hundreds of thousands of years, mm -hmm. we're same place. We still don't know what the fuck it means to be alive, and we just keep going. For sure. Um, I think it's up to you to give it meaning. I think it's up to you to live literally your best life and love the people within your life um, while you got them and while you're here because you won't always be. Um, and I don't, I don't think that, I don't think that changes. I just think that's human nature. Um, I think we will we'll just inevitably keep giving it meanings and we'll always have the next task at hand until we just don't. Um, but yeah, yeah, we we chose the game for the same reason, actually, just so you're aware. I was going to do Dark Souls 3 <laughs> because that's supposed to be the final mm -hmm. game. And then, uh, again, you're ultimately faced with uh, letting the a Age of Darkness consume everyone, uh, you know, linking the fire, killing the firekeeper at that point. But, yeah, we literally had the same thought. Oh, okay. Well, that's good to know. <laughs> yeah. Um, what do you think, uh, Austin? Kind of... To, to echo off Dylan, there, there's a lot of truth when there's a lot of truth to it when people say you're, you know, life is kind of what you make it. Um, and to me, in my opinion, your purpose is whatever the fuck you want it to be. Um, you know, if you go through your life and you just make meaningless decisions and you don't do anything to better yourself, you don't do anything to grow, you don't do anything to, uh, prepare for your future or to create a happy future, then I hate to say it, dog. Yeah. You're probably going to have a pretty shitty and pretty meaningless life. Uh, that's kind of just how it fucking works. Um, but yeah, like the, the, the choices you make throughout your entire life inevitably shape who you end up becoming. And I think, I, I think that has a lot to do with your purpose. Like, for me, for example, like I, as of right now, as of who I am in this very fucking moment, my only drive and purpose in life is to be the best dad to my two kids that I can be. That's all. That's honestly, at the end of the day, all I fucking care about. That is my highest fucking priority. And I don't, I don't want to say, I don't want to say I feel like my life up until the point where I had kids was meaningless, but I, it was, I genuinely feel like it was, um, like I, I was making a lot of really bad decisions like fucking. Um, so, yeah, it's just it's 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 what you make it and it, your purpose is what whatever you whatever you want it to be. I, I definitely think that there's something there for everybody, but I think inevitably it is up to you to discover and find it and figure out what it is and chase after it. Yeah. And back to you, Captain. Yeah. Um so I think, uh, I think, 
I'm going to be maybe a little bit more optimistic than the two of you. Um, <laughs> so I think in the grand scheme of like where the universe is and stuff like that, the universe doesn't care about you. And mm-hmm. I, I think that that's pretty obvious, right? I think that like galaxies away from here, you know, the living beings in those planets don't give a shit. At the end of the day, Earth is, uh, I forget how many years old, but millions of years old, maybe even billions. I don't, I, again, I don't remember the exact number. Our solar system is even older than that. Our stars in our solar system are fucking like infinitely older than we can ever dream of being. But I think that there is a purpose to our lives. And uh, this might get weird and sentimental, but I think that our purpose is kind of the impact we have on other people. I think that at the end of the day, if you are a good person, your impact on someone else's life will be your legacy. It will be how you were remembered. I, I mean, I, for, for, I guess bad too. Like if you're a bad person, if you're fucking mean to people all the t- fucking time, that's how people will remember you. But like, I think that my purpose in life in 20 years will be maybe that Dylan, not, not this Dylan, but little Dylan's kids or grandkids will know my name because I was good to Dylan. Mm-hmm. I think that our purpose in life is to spread joy. I, I think that like ultimately what we end up doing with our lives is kind of uh, meaningless in regards to the universe, but it isn't meaningless to other people. And I, th- mm-hmm. I think that like legacy is kind of like what our purpose is. I may not ever make a movie. I, I would love to, and I would love for that movie to be seen by millions of people. And I would love for that movie to inspire someone in the same way that eternal sunshine, the spotless mind or Jurassic park or Halloween or gremlins or you fucking name it. Any other movie that I have seen where I was like, I want to do that. I would love for that to happen. Realistically, I'm not sure that it will. Right. I'm not, I'm not sure that like I'm, I'm 33. Am I 33? I don't fucking know how old I am. I don't know that anything that I'm ever going to do in life will be as big as Steven Spielberg directing Jurassic Park and making millions of kids want to, well, maybe not millions, but like thousands of kids want to make movies, right? My impact won't be as big as that probably, but I'll have an impact. And I think that at the end of the day, you choose what that impact is. And that, that right there is the meaning of life. Damn. I think legacy, I mean, that's that's all we that's all we have. Like I mean, meaning of life, yes, if we're if we're looking at it like that truly. I mean, it's what we leave for those that come after. 
Um, mm-hmm. And the ones that remember us, but even beyond that, it's like, how can we set the world up to be, I guess, better than we left it? I mean, that's what we always hear, right? Leave X place better than you left it. Leave the world better than you left it. Um, that's why I think movies like Don't Look Up do such a great job at... Uh, <laughs> I'm going to fucking kill you. <laughs> I'm sorry. It, it was there because I was thinking about climate change and I was like, how can I not fuck with Josh in this one moment? <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I think legacy is definitely I'm not going to say it's the meaning of life, but it's what I think we should all strive for. Fair enough. Yeah. What a heavy episode. Yeah. Thanks, Dick. <laughs> Well, fuck me, I guess. Uh, all right. Um, yeah, we we may return to this uh, as a recurring theme, maybe later in uh, in stuff. I don't know. Maybe not. This was heavier than I think all of us expected it to be. Yeah. Well, you know, that's what we do. Uh, do you guys want to know what my other game was? My my backup game. Sure. Dylan? Yes. Yeah, so yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry. I did not mean to sound uninterested. You oh well, I'm I know you're uninterested every episode. It's okay. No. <laughs> uh my backup game was actually The Last of Us Part One. Mm. Oh, sweet. What oh yeah. 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 So I had I mean Stardew was my backup. Okay. Did you have a backup, yeah. Austin? Probably not. Uh, no, because <laughs> playing through the game for the fourth time is what it gave me the idea Christ of the topic. on a cross, Austin. The fourth what? time? What? Hey, hey, fuck off, okay? How much time How many do you hours have? that is? I'm sorry. How have you beaten Arceus? That's what I'm saying. This because dude I has was infinite off. time. Are you fucking Hermione? I was off this weekend and Finish I finished the goddamn challenge. I literally did nothing except play Legends Arceus. Bro, I played it on the way to and from a fucking funeral on Sunday. Oh my god. We are going to lose this fucking challenge because of you. I played it during the reception of the fucking funeral. You're Dylan. not hearing me. I don't care about your... Never mind. Dylan. What? Listen. Yes. I'm the only one who said that we wouldn't finish the challenge, which means I'm almost guaranteed. Do you to... not understand that's why I care so much? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to let you win. <laughs> well, see, he, he automatically wins if he just doesn't finish the challenge. But Josh isn't going to give up on a challenge. Yeah, I'm not. Jo- I don't know about that, bro. Have you seen him play in this fucking Final Fantasy? Did you I don't, see him I, play 33 fucking games last year? Okay, fair point. But none of those games were a fucking MMO. He's all. He's halfway. Oh, I mean, well, that's I'm like a that's quarter a, of the way. But yeah, <laughs> no, no, no. You're halfway. Trust me. No, I, just, I mean, it's fair point. Technically, I've already seen the credits roll. So well, then you're technically, done. he's finished. Yeah. Because we're not counting DLC, so I mean, yeah, I guess you're done. But it's not the whole story. <laughs> oh, fucking hell. But it doesn't matter. He's gotten credits, because if, if we're using those rules, Josh, you would have to be Arceus past the first credit scene, and we're not. So Josh has beaten Final I, Fantasy. Yeah, <laughs> I'm already ahead of... Well, no, I'm not ahead of Dylan, but I'm definitely already ahead of you, Dil- uh, Austin. Uh, I am one game down on my list, sir. Thank you. Wh- what? 
Yeah, I've got one game down. I just haven't talked about it yet. What game? Uh, I don't think it counts because it's like six hours long, but... No, it definitely counts if it's only six hours long. Oh, yeah, Sonic Mania. I'm already done with it. Oh, well, fuck you. I just never said no. anything about it. No, that counts. Oh, good. Me. You're making progress. Yeah. Now stop playing Persona 5. <laughs> it's okay. I, 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 I plan to start Valhalla sometime this week because I feel like that game. Oh, God. Was all. that one of them? Yeah, yeah unfortunately. Them. Oh, my God. <laughs> Look. Austin is going to be the reason that we don't all complete the challenge. <laughs> I am really Son good at speed running games and not doing the side shit. If the game does not interest me all that much, I will just blow fucking through it. And I will not do any of the engrossing side shit. However, if I really enjoy the game, I'm in for a bad time. Oh, <sighs> let's just talk about what we've been playing. I'm starting to have a stroke. Yeah, let's let us. Oh, talk fuck. I forgot. We still have playing. to do that. Um, all right. I'm going to start things off because I'm going to be real brief. I've been playing Pokemon Legends Arceus. And he hates it. Moving on. Uh, <laughs> we will get into this a lot when we get our, our spoiler cast episode done, which uh, I predict will be out maybe by the end of the month. More than likely, probably the first week of, of March. But okay. if I can sit and sink a lot of time into this over the next two weeks, it'll be up before the end of the month. You can honestly do it in like, 15 hours tops, maybe? Uh, I've heard closer to like 30 to 40. Uh, th I mean, I feel like that's if you really take your fucking time. Because I I finished the main story in like 18 hours. Uh, I also don't trust your sense of time. <laughs> that's fair. That's <laughs> uh, okay. All right. So my thoughts on this. Uh, very briefly. Um, I'm just going to hit big talking points. Uh, I kind of think the game looks like shit. That's fair. Um, I <laughs> do not understand how a big triple a Nintendo produced game looks like this, especially when you look at games from 2017, namely legend of Zelda and fucking super Mario, uh, Odyssey, right? Mm -hmm. Those games came out five fucking years ago how does this game look this fucking bad mm -hmm. on the same hardware to be I fair understand. i feel like those games are given a lot more time than pokemon games ever or i mean maybe but like legends arceus from game freak they've they've been working on this for i mean it it came out here hang on let me look this up real quick pokemon sword and shield Pokemon Sword and Shield came out 2019. When? 2019. Yeah, I'm looking for like uh god damn it. I'm looking for like Okay, hang on. Here we go. November 15th of 2019. Okay. Mhm. Mm so, we have had two and a half okay that's not actually not as long as i thought it was <laughs> but is that were they working on this before that though i don't know that's a genuine question i don't know i say this i'm actually playing it right now i mean but I, i'm not in entirely sure because i don't think so because that's typically not how game freak operates 
Yeah. To my understanding. I mean, well, okay. So here's the thing. Game Freak has 167 employees as a, as of last year. Mm-hmm. Between Pokemon Sword and Shield, they have no releases. Mm-hmm. They have 167 people in two and two and a half years between releases, right? Mm-hmm. 2018 was the year that they released Pokemon Let's Go and Let's Go. Uh, or yeah, let's go and let's go. I'm a fucking idiot. Let's go Pikachu and let's go eat. Kind of right. Right? And those games look better than this game. They do. Those, that, those games look fantastic. Like, I'm just, I'm I'm kind of like baffled by what they managed to do in the fucking two and a half years. Mm-hmm. Like, what, what the fuck did you guys do? Because they are... Bi- Reasonably speaking, Legends Arceus, right, is built on the back of what they were doing with the whatever you want to call them zones. I, I forget what they called them in the game. The wild area. Yeah, the wild area. Mm-hmm. So they already had a, a sort of framework in order to do this. And the thing that's fucking crazy to me is that Sword and Shield look better than this game does. I don't know about that. No, it does. I don't know. I'm just... That's one thing that immediately jumped to me, and I was like, come on. Mm. Come on, guys. Yeah, it's it's very rough. Even in handheld. Like, I've seen people say, oh, like, you know, play it in handheld. It looks better. Sure, it does, but it, it still looks pretty bad. It still looks pretty fucking bad. I mean, that's the thing is, like, I've only been playing it in handheld. I haven't hooked it up. To play it. Oh, <laughs> you're in for a mad. wild time. It's not good. So it's very bad. Like fuck, man. Um, all right. Uh next thing. Uh I think that the catching mechanic, like like the whole like I guess kind of like open world areas mm-hmm. and the catching and the battling and stuff, I actually really like. Uh I'm I'm really impressed with what they have done. With like the kind of, uh, I, I guess, free roam and mm. uh, like, I don't want to say turn based, but like the it is turn based, right? Mm-hmm. I, I don't. It's not quite how I think of turn based when I when I think of it, but it's also not quite it's like a uh, weird turn based hybrid. Yeah, yeah. It kind of it kind of feels like. Uh, a lesser version of what uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake is doing. For sure. Um, 100%. And, and I, I really like it. I would actually... I, like, I'm glad that they don't have it set up to do the sort of action RPG shit where it's like... Uh, I don't want to say hack and slash because hack and slash wouldn't necessarily work with Pokemon. But I'm, I'm glad that it's still grounded in in the old school turn-based kind of way um but also like modernized to feel different mm-hmm. um i really like i really do like the catching of pokemon thing i i feel like being able to see the pokemon and sneak up on them and stuff like that is something that like i've wanted to see in pokemon for quite some time and i really like that for sure uh, I do kind of still hate the rock, paper, scissors, like kind of design of the battles. 
mm-hmm. uh, because I don't think that it necessarily adds anything new. I think that the the same way that I've battled Pokemon in every game that I've played since fucking blue and red is the exact same way that I'm playing this game. Mm-hmm. I see a rock type. I'm like, well, let me get my fucking Squirtle out. Not that Squirtle's in this game. I don't know if it actually is, but you know what it's I'm saying? Cool. Like, um, or, or a grass type comes up and I'm like, well, let me get a Cyndaquil out. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, I kind of fucking hate the story. Uh, <laughs> it's pretty nonsensical. It doesn't make any fucking sense. I, I, I'm only about like six or seven hours in. So like, oh. I'm sure that like maybe there's a little worse. bit more going on than, than what I've experienced so far. But like, dude, the, the entire writing of this game, when you fucking fall from the sky and this professor's like, <laughs> Hey, you're a child that I just saw fall from the sky. Do you want to help me collect Pokemon because I'm incompetent? Like, bro, your phone that's given to you by God. <laughs> yeah. And it, and it's like, dude, I, I, I'm still I, like, it's a fucking weird ass. Like your phone is given to you by God and you're like a time traveler and like all this shit. But like, I'm sitting here thinking to myself, if I saw a small child or, or maybe not a small child, but like a teenager fall from the fucking sky, my first thought wouldn't be like. Well, hey, can you help me collect these fucking Pokemon? Mine would be like, holy shit, a fucking kid just fell from the sky. Let's get this kid to the fucking <laughs> hospital. Jesus yeah, Christ. Exactly. Like, I, and I, like, I get it. It's kind of like, it doesn't make sense. And that's part of the charm or whatever. But also at the end of the day, I'm like, uh, guys, what are we doing here? I still want a good story. Like, yeah. I still want something that fucking makes sense. Mm-hmm. The fact that Ash is like nine and fucking Professor Oak's like, here, go travel the fucking world and catch Pokemon and battle other nine-year-olds. With it's, your rat that shoots electricity. <laughs> yeah, it, it's kind of a fucking absurd premise as yeah. a 33-year-old. <laughs> and this game is not much better. <laughs> Me and Dylan were making a joke at his stream the other day because, like, it, it should be pretty fucking obvious to anyone who hasn't finished the game what your end-all, be-all goal, goal is, and that is to catch Arceus, who is essentially the god of this universe. So, like, if you catch god, are you by default god? Right. <laughs> because you bested god. Right. You are by default the god of these fucking people. It's so weird, dude. It's so yeah. Because what's to stop you from throwing out Arceus and Literally. being like, "Hey, can you just create another universe real quick for me?" Literally, right? I, I think the story, especially as it goes on, I think it has a lot of. I, I think it does have a certain charm to it, um, especially regarding uh, uh, Adamin and Irita. I don't fucking know how to pronounce her name. Um especially on Arita's side, because her story felt more of like a coming of age tale. Like she was kind of recently appointed the leader of the Pearl clan and she's like trying to uh, gain her clan's respect and like really show that she can lead that clan. And she has a lot of self doubts. And I, I think, I think the shit like that was really cool, but ultimately like what you said the other day, like if this is a leader trying to prove herself to her clan, why is she so goddamn useless the entirety of this fucking story? Why does she not do anything at all of fucking significance? Yeah. Uh yeah, I don't know. I I am very mixed on this game. I don't understand how it's getting 8 9s and 
uh, I don't think I've seen a 10, but like eights and nines across mm-hmm. the board pretty much. I don't understand how it's getting these. Um, IGN gave it a seven, and I think that's closer to how I feel about it, although I'm not even sure that I would fair. give it a seven. Um, yeah, I, I'm going to continue to play this. I'm going to beat it because it's the fucking community challenge game. You bastards. Um, but Our yeah, the accounts made that happen. <laughs> no, no, don't you put this shame on me. Oh, do, uh, I have text I, messages to prove you're a part of it. You son of a bitch. Oh, I'm definitely a part of it. I'll <laughs> say this much uh, and then we'll move on. I am having more fun with this than I thought that I would. That's good. So that's all I wanted. So there is that. <laughs> yeah. Suck it, Justin. Suck it, Justin. All right, no, Austin, joking. you've been playing Sonic Mania. Tell us about that. Yeah, I finished Sonic Mania. Sonic Mania is really cool, and I think is the epitome of what any 2D ga- Sonic game that comes after needs to fucking be like. Um, I, 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 I don't. There's not a whole lot to say about 2D Sonic games because it's kind of just like get to the other side of the stage as fast as you can and try not to fucking die on your way there. That's kind of the whole point. There's nothing really else to it. Um, but for being a 2d game, this game is fucking gorgeous. Like I, if I remember correctly, there's eight stages and a majority of those stages are reused stages from previous Sonic games. Like the very first stage is, is a (coughs) fuck Rona. The very first stage is a um, uh, kind of reimagining of the Green Hill Zone, which is like the first stage in every Sonic game ever um, or some variant of it. Uh, And then the second stage is the uh, Chemical Power Plant Zone, which is the second stage of Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Um, And there's some other more iconic stages like the Flying Fortress stage from Sonic and Knuckles. And um, I think there was one... There was one stage that was very reminiscent of another stage from Sonic 3, but I can't remember the name of it. It's the one with the fucking, it's like an underwater palace. It's really obnoxious, but I can't remember the fucking name of it. Um, And I think that that was, I think this, it it was a really cool little project. Um, I, I am kind of sad that Sega has pretty much come out and confirmed that we will never get a Sonic Mania 2, that this is probably something that's just straight the fuck up, not ever going to happen again. Um, I don't quite really know why, because the game sold well enough for them to do a full re-release. Uh, I'm pretty sure a year after it came out, uh, the game was originally only digitally, and then a year after it came out, it it did well enough for them to release physical copies of it in like a cool, like, uh, it, it, it was like a slipcover box. You could flip it around, you could flip the art around, and it was like, um, it was meant to look like a Sega Genesis cover. And like that was fucking rad. So if it sold well enough for you to do that, wh- how did why how did it not sell well enough to warrant a sequel? I can't I I can't for the life of me imagine that this game had to have been all that expensive to make. Like I'm sure it wasn't cheap, but I'm sure it wasn't as expensive as some of the other shit Sega fucking puts out or has their hands in. Like this wasn't as expensive to make as the Yakuza series. This this wasn't as expensive to make as the Persona series. Even, you know, uh, Sega has something to do with that. I'm not sure what it is, but like 
it, it just couldn't have been that much. So I'm not really sure what really stopped them from giving a Sonic Mania 2, especially since they got really good reviews from pretty much everywhere. But uh, whatever. I guess we're not, which kind of sucks. But um, it's a great game. Uh, the Chaos Emerald like bonus stages, fuck that. That is the most goddamn obnoxious shit I've ever had to fucking do in a Sonic game, and I hate every fucking part of it. It is the only thing about that game I fucking dislike. Um, every every uh, Chaos Emerald bonus stage is essentially a three a really badly rendered three D stage, and you have to chase a UFO around that is carrying the Chaos Emerald. While each one you do gets significantly fucking harder. The first one was relatively easy because you essentially just have to keep up with it and catch up to it. Um, you lose the stage if you run out of rings, which you lose like one ring every couple of seconds or a second or whatever. Um, there are rings on the stage you can collect, and there are blue orbs that speed you up that make you faster. Well, the faster you get, the harder Sonic is to fucking control. The first stage, really easy. Second stage, a little bit harder. Third stage is fucking goddamn near impossible. I don't know if I'm just a fucking idiot or if I or if that shit is just hard, but I fucking hate it. Um, everything else about the game is fucking great, though. And I would love to see a sequel, but it's never going to happen. But it is the first game that I have finished on my fucking challenge list. So both of you can eat my ass. <laughs> you are one of the most vulgar people I've ever met. I curse a lot, but the, the amount that you go in is hysterical. I do. I don't do it on purpose. That's the weird part. I know. It just kind of happens. Uh, it's me now. It is. <clears throat> Mine's quick because I haven't been playing a lot. Um, Ori in the Blind Forest is one of my favorite games of all time, and I started up the sequel, Ori in the Will of the Wisps. It's on the challenge this year. I'm streaming it, and within two and a half hours of playing it, I'm just I'm blown away. I, I can't put it any other way. I mean... Tell you. Not only not only is it visually stunning, its mechanics are flawless. Um, I care about the characters and the story because it picks up where the first one left off, and it makes me feel some type of way. Um, so I'm enjoying it. I'm not going to say too much until I finish it. I'll probably have it finished by the next time we record. Hell yeah. Nice. This I'm, one is on your list. Is that right? Yeah, it's my Metroidvania. Okay. I've always wanted to try it, but I felt like it would be too hard for me. It does pose a challenge, but it's good. And when you can, it's not as hard as Hollow Knight, mm. but it is still pretty challenging. And it's like when you figure out something in the game, it just feels so good. It's that old school sense of accomplishment. Like it doesn't hand it to you, really. It just okay. it'll let you figure it out. Maybe I'll give it a shot one day. I want to. I think it's a gorgeous fucking game. I think it looks beautiful. I just, like I said, I always felt like it would be too hard for me. Yeah. Try it. I will. That's it. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. All right. Well, let's get to our picks of the week. Um, my pick of the week is a YouTube video called Don't Look Up, a problematic metaphor for climate change, question mark. Uh, and this is from a, a channel called Like Stories of Old. Um, I am going to say this much, uh, the guy behind like stories of old is Danish question mark. 
Um, I don't remember exactly what his nationality is, but he has a very distinct accent and it might not be for everyone. Uh, people might hate this video just simply because of his voice. Uh, but I really like this video for a couple of reasons. One, because it isn't just a straight shitting on don't look up, uh, even though he probably could have done that and I would have loved it. Um, but it's a more nuanced look at kind of how we perceive things with a specific look at don't look up. Uh, and it kind of dives into the, uh, response around the film. It kind of dives into what climate change really is. And it kind of, uh, does a, a really nice look at like, the human perspective of what you can get out of this movie other than just climate change, bad, we all going to die. Um, I think that this is a very good, uh, video essay and I think that it is 100% worth the watch. There you go. All right. Austin. Um, yeah. Uh, my pick of the week is uh, the Tolerance Paradox EP by a band called Hawk. Uh, there's not really too much to say about them. They are just a just a genuine hardcore band from Philadelphia, and I think they're really good. Um, I will give a disclaimer. Their music tends to be extremely political, and it does tend to lean more towards the left. So if that's something you're not into, then just don't listen to it because it definitely is that. Um, but I think it's super fucking red and I think they're really good. Sweet. <clears throat> what you got so for us? I'm, uh, headed to a concert. So I feel like it's only right that I give a, give a song from that. Um, kill switch and engage signal fire. It has both Jesse Leach and Howard Jones. Uh, the two kill switch vocalists from different time periods. They're both on it. It's amazing. Um, one of my, the whole reason for this concert, like the reason I'm excited is because the bucket list is seeing them both on stage at the same time. Um, and just giving me lots of different eras of kill switch, I guess you could say. So, uh, they're great. Love the song. Check it out. Very cool. Very cool. All right. Well, as always, you can find us on social media for all things, culture, pop, honey, picks and the culture, pop family of content. Culture Bop is available on Twitter at culture underscore bop, on Instagram at culture underscore bop, and on the YouTubes at culture bop. I am available on Twitter at the bebopman182, on Instagram at bebopman182, and on Twitch at the underscore bebopman. Uh, oh, excuse me. If you're listening to this, um, I've been saying for a while that uh, a um, what am I? What am I saying? A schedule was on its way. Uh, well, that schedule is now up, and it is pretty much finalized. Um, maybe uh, maybe a slight change here or there with like games, but it's pretty much there. So go check me out over there. Dylan is available on Twitter, Om Dizzy, on Instagram, Om. Uh, sorry. At OM Dizzy TV on Instagram at OM Dizzy on Twitch at OM Dizzy on YouTube at OM Dizzy and now on TikTok at DYZ Mart Dizzy Mart. <laughs> Finally, we got Austin. 
It was available on Twitter at Big Papa Plays, on Instagram at Big Papa Plays, on Twitch at Big Papa Plays, and on TikTok at Big Papa Please. Finally, if you're looking to support the podcast for or any of the endeavors that we're undertaking as Culture Pop, then go to patreon.com slash culture pop. Toss us a pledge. We have some very cool perks that we're offering up. And uh, we've got our first goal hit. Once we start hitting even more of our goals, guess what? More stuff will be on its way. And even better stuff, might I add. Um, oh, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, that's it. That is the end of our show. We did it, boys. We did it. We did it. We did it. All right. Well, uh, and and other, under two and a half hours. Look at that. Look at that. We're doing great. Doing nailed it. And for a heavy episode. <gasps> oh, boys, have we hit a new like corner? Have we have we turned so. the corner? Maybe. We'll see next week. Probably not. Yeah, next week we're going to go back to talking about dicks and titties. I mean, I'm cool with that. I don't know about you guys. I feel like that actually happened. No, that was that was the pregame. <laughs> <laughs> it was. Uh, all right. All right. I'm going to go watch my softcore hentai now. Yep. Jesus fucking Christ. End this before he gets filthy. <laughs> Until next that time. That was the filthy part? Goodbye. Goodbye. What? What? <laughs>